Hey, Chad here. Before we dive in today, I just wanted to let you know about our Enneagram coaching services. We offer typing packages if you really like to dig in and understand your Enneagram number and what it means. Shelly still has a few slots open for her one-to-one coaching services, and we offer all kinds of opportunities for teams. Whether you want a half-day or a full-day workshop, we've got you covered. Discover, explore, and become your big self through our Enneagram Coaching Services. Check out our packages at bigselfschool.com backslash Enneagram Coaching. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to our the last of the head types and the last of the entire Enneagram series. We have our sevens here with us today, our beautiful sevens, uh, and I'm really excited for this conversation and yeah. for our audience to get to know you all a little what bit. What a way to end with, with the enthusiasts. Some yes. people say that everyone wants to be a seven when they first start taking it. Uh, either that or threes, I think. But um, No, I think sevens. Uh, but, uh, well, okay. Uh, it's great to have you all here. We have um, three sevens. And you guys just introduce yourselves and let's let's hit the, hit the ground running. Yeah, we've got Justin, Ellie, and Aaron. And Justin, I'll just let you go first. You're over there on the left of my screen. So tell us who you are a little bit and how you discovered that you were a seven. Yeah, for sure. So my name's Justin, uh, Justin Santon, and I live in Portland, Oregon, and I run a software agency. I've run a software agency since I was 18, dropped out of high school to do that. Um, so going on 15, 16 years of doing that now. Um, yeah. And how did I find out about the Enneagram? I feel like I heard about it gradually and then like all at once and then all of a sudden it was everywhere in my life um, so I think I first heard about it from some church friends and then my friend um, Shay Box who's a designer who's really into the Enneagram I love Shay yeah she was on our type four panel yeah oh, she's, she's great. amazing she's so great so then I t- I'm like Shay have you heard of the Enneagram and she's like well boy have I and, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then yeah so that's kind of how I got started in it and yeah reading through all the types um like you said in the beginning, like everybody wants to be a seven reading like the ones and eights and threes. I'm like, that's cool. And reading the fives and fours. And I'm like, that's for sure. Not me. Then I hit the sevens and I'm like, Oh my goodness. It's me. It's me in a box. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's kind of how I got my introduction to it. So you, you knew it pretty quickly because some people have to kind of wander around the the Enneagram to determine it. test I took I think it was like the ready test or something like that um but like where it shows you kind of like how you rate on all all the different ones um and like my wife she's like for sure a six um but she kind of had uh, a pretty equal distribution across a bunch of them and for me like everything was like totally zeroed out and then seven and eight were like super high um nice so yeah it was, okay. it was good stuff to talk about very from there. good all right Ellie tell us about you Hey, y'all. I am from, I'm Ellie from Nashville, actually. I don't know if, Shelly, we've really talked about that. I don't think we have. I love Chattanooga a lot, Um, Mm -hmm. but I live in Austin, Texas, and am nurse-turned-entrepreneur, really, um, which is how Aaron and I kind of have connected our similar paths. Um, And I found out of the Enneagram because so many people in my life kept telling me 
Ellie, you would love this. Ellie, you would love this. And law of recency finally made me go take a test. And um, my test results, actually, interesting that Chad should say that. I just went back to find those original results. And I guess I, I, I came to the Enneagram where it found me like four and a half years ago. And my results were like across the board, pretty equal. Like I was barely seven. But when I read the, the description of a seven, that I was convinced that was me from the get go. I just knew it. I've kind of always, I think the thing that maybe gave it away for me and maybe other sevens is just that like ultimate optimist reframer um personality and so apparently it's kind of like a seven to be enthusiastic about maybe identifying with a whole lot of different things <laughs> like J- jerry wagner says like if you rank high in all the categories on my webs test you could be a seven or you know <laughs> he mentions a lot of possibilities but that's funny totally totally uh so yeah so you know, at first didn't, of course, recognize the aversion to pain. And, um, that's been, that's been my life's work so far. Um, Mm -hmm. and thought I was maybe a two or a seven and it took until I did this work in a group with a two to see how a heart type processes and realize the difference. It was like through seeing who I'm not, I understood more of who I was Mm -hmm. and really, you know, settled into that social seven space. Very cool. Yeah. I actually have the exact opposite. So I tested as a social seven and through a lot of our group work and conversations, um, came to figure out I'm a two. So it was yeah, totally, we didn't spend too much I, time thinking lot, you were a seven. Well, I, I was like a hot minute. I was like, I really want to be a seven. And, <laughs> uh, but it was the mental type. I was like, I, I don't, think like that. Like I'm not that processing kind of in the, in the head, the way that I see a lot of sevens. Uh, Well, all head types work. I knew I wasn't a head type. Yeah. It's a really good distinction. I think like understanding the body or the, the three triads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll get to that and then a little bit deeper here in a minute. So Aaron, tell us about you. Hello, Aaron. Hi. Um, of course I know Shelly from, um, our, um, course together. So good to see you again. Um, I'm Erin. Thank you. I'm a physician. I'm a physical medicine doctor in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, and I guess, you know, I'm, um, I suppose like a personal development junkie, I suppose. And I kind of got into a coaching role at my work. So I, um, coach other physicians and I happened across the road back to you book. And I made it through the first uh, type, which is the type nine. And I was like, well, that's me. And I'm done. I just put the book down, didn't even bother with the rest of it. Um, Because I do feel this compulsion to make everybody feel comfortable all the time. And so I just thought that was kind of peacemaking. Um, And then a friend kind of brought me back to it. She asked me my type and and it kind of got me re-exploring it. And the more I explored... explore the system, I just really didn't feel settled in any type. Um, and the seven piece, I just kind of disregarded like, oh, that's not me. Uh, that sounds way too cushy. I'm more tormented than that. Um, <laughs> so then I uh, took a test and the test came back, uh, actually self-pres seven. 
but that was the first time I ever heard seven. And it just, um, it was kind of a mind blowing moment, I suppose, because that, you know, kind of what Ellie was speaking to, like, uh, I didn't realize that I was a sort of a pain avoider and such. And then I came to one of the chestnut pious workshops, not knowing my, so I just didn't self-present didn't really seem right. So I went to the workshop, not knowing, and I kind of went up to, um, Beatrice after a session and said, well, if you worry about your kids, like all the time, what's that? Is that self-preservation or is that social? And she said, um, it could be social. And somehow she had mentioned, um, this really, that a lot of social sevens go into fields in which they take away pain. And that's just crazy because that's literally my job. I just do a ton of like back injections and sending people to rehab therapies and guiding them through various painful processes and stuff. So that was just weird. Um, so that so experiences like that kind of sealed it for me. Yeah. Wow. That's super interesting. That's good. Well, let's dive in. I want to hear a little bit about your each of your experience being a head type. So we know that uh, that you all are in the head triad. There's a lot of analysis, and I think for sevens, probably a lot of mental planning, thinking happens, giving and, and receiving information from the world through your thoughts. So share a little bit about how, just in general, how you experience being a head type. And really, anybody can can jump in, whoever wants Any to, order, to yeah. share. So I have two stories. One is for kind of my own personal internal processing. And then two, how does this affect my communication with my heart type partner? Um, because mm-hmm. we miss each other like every single conversation. Um, so as it, my in my internal world, particularly in the workspace, you are not going to get me to do something that I don't understand the the path, the plan from start to finish and the objective why. Like I, I just am not interested in really following direction if I don't cognitively understand why you're asking me to do that. Mm. So as a, as a leader to a head type, particularly a seven, I need to know why I need to do this. What is the outcome? And then I can do a really good job. Um, otherwise I'm going to have a little bit of resistance Hmm. and then in communicating with others, just an example that happens pretty frequently. Uh, my fiance is a speaker and a, a facilitator, and he might get a lead acquisition from a company asking him to come speak at a conference and he'll come in and tell me that this is that he's gotten this opportunity and I can quickly defuse the moment by starting to ask all the questions about all the details about well when is it and are you gonna be able to do that because I thought you had an event like that weekend too and so I quickly go into how does, how does that work out in the plan? And can you really accept that offer? Or is that a good offer to accept? And I completely diffuse the moment to connect with him from a heart space and say, wow, honey, that is incredible. I am so, 
proud of you, which is all he wants. That's all he wants. And so, um, we're just so different. And that is just one big example in the way that it shows up daily. I love that. Well, he apparently is a four sexual subtype, which I am right. Yes. So I can identify, I get, I could say to some extent, yeah, that's, that's really, you know, I think in the past when we didn't have the language of the Enneagram, you might've just been like, well, I guess this is a guy's need to be praised or something. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm. Well, and we're both heart types. So it's like, you know, there's like no winning here. It's just, we're all just we're just swimming in emotion sometimes yeah um yeah well thank you those are those are um that's a really good interesting framework to Justin start us off with a head, or Aaron, head types. what do y'all think about what do you think about yeah. being a head type yeah. <laughs> no that's that's really fascinating because i think for me where i've identified the most with the seven is really in that almost like in kind of like a puppy dog, I feel like sometimes, just enthusiastic and easily distractible, Mm. which is why sometimes even in my own like internal sense of self, I have a hard time understanding why I am kind of internally so analytically driven about things. And I surprise myself with that and other people like all the time. Like most people who know me, like they, they see, you know, fun and vivacious and whatever. And like, you know, you just have a lot of fun all the time because that's what life's about. Right. Um, but, but when they see the amount of spreadsheets that I run my life with and the amount of detail and analysis that goes into every decision and the amount of like consideration of every potential perspective before executing a plan, um, all of these things that you think about, like when, you know, you're an entrepreneur or when you're even a parent or all these types of things, um, I recognize that sometimes I feel almost like this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing, because on the outside, it's like, yes, everything is fun. Everything is awesome. But on the inside, it's like there's so much structure and order. It almost feels like the picture that I get in my head is like a vineyard, right? When you look far away, it's like on the internal life, it's so orderly and structured, but you get up close in a vineyard. I live in wine country up here in Oregon and everything looks so chaotic. And so kind of having this um, dichotomy of order and chaos at all times is kind of how that head type plays out for me. Mm -hmm. Wow. I like that illustration. I do too. Yeah. Really good. And that is so far, those are good characteristics. I think of, of sevens. I'm wondering, uh, you know, because I I think that we do think, Oh, they love variety and they love, you know, they're in they're Obviously we call them the enthusiasts and and joy filled ones, but all often, you know, it's like, there is this like head center of intelligence that really likes this structure and order. I've, I've seen that in my brother who I think is a self prez seven. Aaron, what's your experience like? Well, a lot of what Justin and Ellie said sounds familiar. I guess um, what I would add to it is uh, the fear. And I mean, I guess um, I think I have a sister who's a six, so I kind of didn't think, I, I mean, I know what that's that looks like, the knowing where the exits are, et cetera. That's not me. That's not how fear is for me. Um, but it's more like I, it's a, I think it's a factor of the creativity that my brain can just go in really kind of creative directions with what could happen. And so, um, my husband's a one and he's so like gut, it's crazy. I'll just say to him, so I've got this worry. Is that a thing? Should I worry about that? And he'll just kind of listen to it and go, no, that's like just not a thing. <laughs> that must be helpful. And I just want him to check in with his gut sometimes and just like have him be grounded and like say that's viable or nope, that's just not something, uh, that your brain should spin out on. Um, and I guess the other piece of it is that, um, 
just being a head type, I, I feel, I'm not sure about the other two, that I can be quite disconnected from, you know, my other centers that sometimes I think about, like, I'm, I'm trying to think what, what I feel about that. Because I don't quite know what my feelings are mm. about it. Like I have to think mm. that piece or like, um, you know, and like f- the feeling something in my bones, I, I don't have that at all. I, I mean, I, I'm, I guess, I guess I'm working on that. That's mm. an area of growth for me. Mm. I love that you said that. Cause I was thinking that too, Aaron, I know, um, uh, the fear, you know, the fear that all three of the head types experience in different ways. And I've heard that sevens, it's a fear of suffering. And so living in the head is almost like if I can just stay here thinking through pleasurable things enough or planning or managing them or preparing for something fun, then I don't have to dip into that suffering. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, to me that makes, I can understand how the seven brain is working differently than say the five brain that's has fear of feelings, you know, say, so how they could look a little bit different. Does that ring true for you all? Yeah. I mean, I guess just as a follow-up to what you said, um, I don't know if this is a helpful example, but like sometimes I've had a thought experiment about, um, loss of like a child or a parent. And I'll literally think there's just no way I can experience that. And I think, well, that is ridiculous because everyone will eventually lose a parent unless they die in childhood. (laughs) Everyone goes through it and they live it through it and they survive it. And I have literally thought to myself, I, there's no way I can experience that pain. Of course I'm going to, or I'm not going to, you know, or there's an alternative, but so it's like, um, yeah, it just helps me realize how much I I am so um, my my upper, my main objective is to avoid that kind of discomfort. Mm-hmm. I'm so out of touch with it. Yeah. Well, that is a good segue to thinking about, especially for our audience who may not be deep deep into understanding sevens. Um, and let's talk about a few definable characteristics of of sevens, and then you know. Choose choose an aspect or two of these that you, you know you'd like to to discuss. How have any of these given characteristics been challenging for you to navigate as a leader? But also, by contrast, how have they benefited you? So you, you sevens are self referencing. Don't worry, no judgment here. As a four, I do. I am too. Uh, not other referencing like this too here. Uh, primary point of reference internally, especially of thoughts. Uh, positive reframing. Lots of optimism. We all need sevens in our lives. Lives, right, and they emphasize the positive data. Also, hedonism <laughs> in terms of goal of pleasure-filled activities, avoidance of suffering. We've been hearing that so far. Rebelliousness, heard that a little bit, Ellie. Don't like constraints. Uh, lack of focus, discipline. Sometimes, though, interested in so many things, fast, fascinated in, by interesting people, events, and ideas. And also, you enjoy generating ideas. We've heard about the creativity and envisioning the next big thing. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what stands out to you all is like, yeah, that totally yeah, lands. That's, well, that's been challenging for me as a leader uh, and or this other aspect maybe has really benefited me. Yeah, man, that's that's so funny. Like hearing all of those kind of in this bullet form. 
of being like, yes, check, check, check. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But man, from my, my own internal frame of reference, (laughs) starting at the top, um, I would say for me as a father, so I have five kids and as a business leader who, you know, I've I've run a business since I was 18. So going on uh, 17 years or something like that. Um, for me, some of the hardest things have been focus. And so like that, that ability to not go chase the new and shiny thing has been profoundly difficult (laughs) because running a business and raising kids and having a family that I like having, um, all of these things take really laser like focus. And so I think one of the most fascinating things for me about identifying with all of these points so deeply is also recognizing that life doesn't really care. Mm. Like, like life doesn't care that I'm motivated by avoiding pain because pain still comes. Like I've, I've lost parents and in-laws and kids and, um, and things like that through, through miscarriage and, and all these types of things. Like life doesn't really care if I like avoiding pain or if I like chasing new and shiny things. So I, for me, understanding the depth at which this is embedded in who I am has been so helpful and like facing life. Uh, and so, yeah, dealing with the pain and, and always wanting to distract myself. I will plan vacations while I am on vacation. Um, you know, like, so all of it, I just so deeply identify with all of it. Ladies, what about y'all? Aaron. It's the sound of their, their thoughts thinking. They're thinking. It's the sound of the social seven. You go uh, first. No, you go first. Okay. <laughs> totally. It's that it's like, um, I mean, I guess the self-referencing part, I'll speak to that. Uh, cause I think, um, I am totally aware that I see I'm kind of, um, right. Referring to my own experience like all the time. And I can feel myself do that, but then there's like this constant guilt because I think of the social instinct so it's a, it's a very much like a push pull. Um, I'll sacrifice for my family, um, quite a bit and then feel the deficit of like what I've given up and then feel cheated about that. Or I'll take time for myself and then lose time on the fam- with the family and then feel terribly guilty about that. And so they talk about it being kind of a sadder seven. Um, I think that's maybe why I didn't, you know, the stereotypes just didn't fit me so well, because I think I've been doing that my whole life is like aware of what my needs are, aware of what everybody else needs, and then trying to give people what they need, but then feeling like I'm missing out and I need to kind of rebound from that or like taking what I need and then feeling bad about it. Um, so, so that's a weird, a weird thing. Um, honestly, well, I think it's important me. to say that the social seven is the counter type. So it doesn't stereotypically look like what we we tend to think of when we talk about sevens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just say one other thing and then I'll let Ellie talk. Um, I can um, relate to this whole idea of, I feel that if there's something out there that I want to experience, I ought to be able to experience that. So I literally feel that I should be able to be a doctor, a coach, maybe a yoga instructor. Um, there's something else in there too. Oh, a certified Enneagram practitioner, Um, and that, and oh, a fabulous mom and wife too. Um, and I should also be able to live in places other than my home state that I have chosen. Um, I mean, 
Yes, you should. Yes. Yes, I should. (laughs) So, so, you know, these are ridiculous things that, um, kind of torment me a little bit, but so, you know, that's, that's gluttony, you know? Yeah. Well, so can I ask you real quickly though, before we move over to Ellie, like what happens though, when you, and you, you all have kind of talked a little bit about it, the limiting, the limiting of the possibilities. Uh What's, what's at the core of that that is, um, that you push back on or resist? I feel that everyone is in charge of their own experience and everything is available to everyone. So uh, if the limit is placed on me, my initial, um, my initial response is kind of like anger You know, why should I be limited for something I want? Anybody could have whatever they want. And so then I have to like kind of go back and say, oh, I can't have every weekend off because somebody has to be on call. I mean, just to give an example from my own life. Um, So, you know, it's very easy to resent call weekends, for example. Well, what, you know, that's, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't be totally free. I have to pay my fair share. So, so I don't know if that's a very good answer to your to your question, but it's like, in other words, I feel that, um, my initial impression is, Hey, we're all, we're all in charge of getting what we need. So go ahead and get after it. Mm-hmm. So then when somebody puts a limit on me, I'm like, well, why should you get to do that? I don't feel like I answered that question very well. Yeah. Well, and we, I think That's... we might get to it a little bit when we talk about the gluttony. So we, okay. yeah, we can come back to that too. Ellie, what about you? D, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, I relate so heavily to everything that has been shared. And what Justin shared in the beginning is something I was talking about last night that has been, it's like, it's so frustrating. Um, and to realize that you try so hard to plan for margin to be able to do, as Aaron said, all the things that you want to do that life offers you. And we forget every single day that life also wants to put things on your schedule and you cannot control that. And it is like, it is such a battle. It is so hard. And I think that, um, Unfortunately, like, I I think that the manifestation of the seven shows in our external world. And so unfortunately, um, the people in our life and our external environments almost suffer more than we recognize we're suffering. And that can be a really hard place. And um, just to talk about, you know, I was trying to pick something that we haven't mentioned, but in, in the rebelliousness, not liking constraints, uh, I was thinking over the whole list and not wanting to just have to choose one. (laughs) (laughs) Be able to talk about one. And that's that gluttony that just like, I can't, I, I want to experience all of it. And sobriety is all about picking one thing and you guys are already getting ahead that's right yes it is uh there's a sufi saying uh that um beatrice chestnut and uh uranio pius have in their new book in the seven section and it's if you want to make god laugh tell him your plans 
Yeah, sounds sounds like it's that would be true for everybody a little bit here. Um, Shell, I want to talk about gluttony now, if we can yeah, a little yeah. bit. So I'll read. Um, we we do a lot of referring to B and Aranyo in our in our podcast. We love them. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, so B says that gluttony of type seven is excessive indulgence and in consuming whatever b- brings pleasure. A desire to sample a little bit of everything that brings you pleasure pleasure without being limited. So talking about that very thing. Yeah, and I I'm really I'm curious too more specifically about because um, we've talked a little bit about your awareness of how, what that looks like those patterns in your life. But how do you all work with it, and how do you grow through that into uh, sobriety, which is your virtue? Like, tell us a little bit about that path that, that you all are, I think all of you all are, are consciously on. I can chime in cause I have two examples that hopefully will make sense. <laughs> I've talked to Ellie a little bit. I've been experimenting with intermittent fasting and, um, I just think it's so interesting to see how often my mind wanders to having a pleasurable something to get me through a period of time. And, um, so I feel it is a interesting thought practice just to notice how often I'm feeling bored or a little like irritated. And my mind goes to, I could have a snack. I could get a drink. I could get, you know, something I could get something. So I don't have to think about this discomfort right now. So I feel like that has been just a really interesting, um, experiment. I'm really enjoying that. And then the second thing I think of is um, my yoga practice. I practice Iyengar yoga with people that have been teaching for over 30 years and train in India. And it's very classical and it's very quiet. And the classes are, my class is two hours long. Um, and sometimes we are holding poses for five minutes, um, headstands for five minutes. And it's just like, it is so quiet. And that teacher, I know she's a one. And she sees me and she knows my brain is not there. And she'll say, Aaron, come back to us. Like Mm. it's crazy. And so it's just such a helpful way of, it's almost like being in a silent retreat, I suppose, you know, but for like two hours a week, I just go and I do what I'm told and they keep you very much in your body. Um, And some people find it too militant. And I just think it's what I've been craving for a long time. You know, uh, it's very very one-ish. Yeah, some great growth points. This mm-hmm. takes a lot of makes discipline. Me, it does make me think of Era to One a little bit, too, the way that you're talking about that discipline, um, kind of a little more reg- regimen, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, some people walk in and they hate it. And so there's just something weird about those of us who like it. <laughs> I think it's probably an interesting uh, personality study in there somewhere. I know I couldn't do a plank for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I can barely sit for five minutes, so that's impressive. Yeah. Aaron, I hear you describe this yoga class, and in my head, I'm thinking there's nothing that sounds worse to me than being, than being quiet and surrounded by quiet for that long. Um, and so maybe that's just a, a subtype thing. I don't know, but yeah, no, I, I, and kind of tying back into the gluttony, I do feel like, man, I. I have this constant stream of noise and some of that's just my life. It's just kids and just 
you know, it's just life. Um, but some of it is I, I like the distraction. And I think I see some expression even of that sense of gluttony, um, even with with my kids and with my work. I am not. And dads get stereotyped this way a little bit. And maybe I'm like way extra on this. But I'm not the one to be like, you know what, kids, you need to choose one thing to do um, because because you just need to limit your options or whatever. Or to say, um, no, you can't have that no bake cookie and the ice cream. I'm like, you know what, you guys, we're living one time. Let's eat it all. Let's do it all. Um, <laughs> so so when, when we talk about like growing from, from gluttony to sobriety, I may be really early on that journey. <laughs> I don't know. Um but yeah, no, to me, so much of it is like, you know, I think Ellie and Aaron both have talked about the idea of margin and options. And to me, I don't probably two to three times a day, whether it's with employees or kids or, or friends, I feel like I'm always talking about how options are never a bad thing. Like it's never a bad thing to have more options. And so if, if making more money gives you more options, then let's go make more money. Or if having a wider friend group or a wider network gives you more options for work, let's go get that. Um, because I am like highly in favor of, of having more options so that you have room, so that you can make a choice instead of having a choice made for you. Um, and to me, I think that sort of underarching story that kind of plays out in my life is how I see that sense of gluttony playing out. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about how does Aranya talk about sobriety? Did you find that? Yeah, he, he talks about it. It's, uh, it's not just this idea of, yeah, it's, it's about like going deep into one It's like thing. full commitment, right? I mean, that's kind of how I think about it. Ellie, Ellie did you want to comment? Yeah, um, they, our teachers, our lovely teachers, Uranio and B, um, explain sobriety as this path towards a, a seriousness and going towards kind of contentment over pleasure. I think the best way um, or phrase I've heard it described is, and it's so hard to accept, but um, liking what you're doing instead of doing what you like. And it's mm. kind of a reclaiming of proportion. It's a good quote. And um, using just the energy needed to get done what life is bringing you in this moment. And it requires like, as gluttony, a manifestation of gluttony is like, we talk a lot. We we get like feel elation in our body with ideas and simulating thoughts. And we let that kind of take us over, but all of that robs us from the present moment. So it all sobriety is a path towards us getting connected with the present moment because we have such a hard time with that because our thoughts just pull us away to the next option, the next thing, the next plan, the idea and um, sobriety just helps us not like live in the future and miss our miss our whole life. So I was talking with someone recently who's a seven, and we were talking about this path and the work of of the seven, the inner work. And she was like, "Why would I want to do that?" <laughs> She's yeah. like, "I I'm really happy. Like I." feel this, my life is fun and good. Like, why would I go through all of that discomfort and, 
um, hard stuff. Like what would you, what do you all th- say to somebody who well, might think that? I want to add to that. Like as I was like reading through like a whole bunch of stuff on the sevens before this podcast, you know, when you read the initial descriptions of the sevens, I'm like, why would they want to be anything else? Like, right. It's, uh, it's joyful and fun and constantly doing interesting things. You guys are immediately though, it seems to me bringing the, uh, sort of a, a deeper truth to, to the why, but I didn't mean to not ask your question, honey. No, so. I, I would love to hear what you all think about that. Cause I, you probably thought it yourself, right? Like oh, why 100%. am I, why would we do all this work? 100%. No, the, I think the best picture for the why that I have is that I feel like as a seven, I can be like a river without banks and that I can just kind of flood out around me and bring chaos and destruction sometimes. I think Ellie said something earlier that I thought was so profound um, that like others around us feel suffering more than we do because of our sort of avoidance of it. And I feel like that sometimes if we're not careful, we can be the cause of a lot of that suffering unintentionally. And so I find that when I do bring the constraints around myself that I so deeply want to rebel against, But when I do bring those constraints, it's kind of like the banks to a river coming alongside it so that now the the internal world that I that I live out, it has some focus and it has some flow of of where it can be um, kind of directed. Um, Where sometimes I think if I'm not um, kind of growing towards that sense of sobriety, that sense of, um, you know, liking what I'm doing, I feel like, yeah, it can just be destruction in a floodplain real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, unfortunately, the ego of the seven is so blinded from pain, um, pain in ourselves, pain that we cause others, because uh, we rationalize our behavior very quickly to dismiss any sort of pain that we may have caused somebody else. And so it takes quite a bit of courage. Um, and I think you really probably have to have maybe gone through some life event, something's not working and you finally realize maybe it's because you've added too many things to your plate and you keep, you keep dropping the ball and and you, you know, we all live with this deeper knowing if we're honest that this isn't the way life's supposed to be going. Like, this isn't working. And so, you know, I think there's got to be something that's pushing you towards that. And then what I would say to a seven that is still like, I don't know why I'd want to do that, um, is if I can show them the map and that if they are just, we're all a fraction of the whole And if you're interested in becoming more of an integrated and whole version of yourself, then you have to be willing to open up your kind of slice of the pie and touch other numbers and move along the the map, move beyond your type in order to integrate. And ultimately that's going to grow you in compassion because you can connect with others more readily and then if you are a spiritual person, it, you are going to have a deeper spiritual life. Um, 
and that's just the the beauty of it. It's good. Yeah. Thank you. Well, well, speaking of kind of you know, let's let's take the first step on the on the you know on the spectrum from seven. You've got we've got our two wings, the the wings that uh, we have you know both of on either side of us. You know, how do you how do you all step into your six wing? Uh, which, which would keep you in your, your head type, or how do you kind of uh, expand it into your eight, into uh, your, your body possible center of intelligence? Yeah, and, in, and more consciously doing that wing, wing work, because that's something that you all are aware of and use that and make those moves. Like, what does that look like? Or, or is, it, is it conscious? Do you just find yourself in, in it, or, or are you consciously um, working on either wing? Well, I can speak to like trying to use my eight wing more, um, intentionally. So like, obviously I lose my temper sometimes. And a lot of times it has to do with limits on my freedom, whatever. Um, but uh, like, for example, taking on leadership roles, I would say earlier in my career, especially when the kids were small, um, I avoided leadership because frankly, I didn't want any more constraints on my time. I just felt like, well, that's, um, I don't have the time or the energy. I don't want that much responsibility that would limit my freedom if I took on extra leadership roles. And so now I'm trying to get a little bit more into owning that, um, you know, I have some, I I do have energy for those things. I do, I can be a powerful person um, and that it's okay to give up some of my free time if I want to do some hard work and, and make a positive change. So I'm trying to own that a little bit. Um, so I, that's an example I think of. Yeah, that sounds very eight, like yeah, inhabiting that energy and like taking action and moving forward like that. That's good. Justin or Ellie, are you all consciously thinking about your wings and looking over there, looking over there, and how do, how do I use them more? Yeah, you know what's really interesting is uh, my wife is such a strong six that sometimes I find myself not leaning into kind of uh, my six wing um, because I lean on her for it. And that's probably not healthy, but it's a thing that I do. Um, And, and I think I mentioned at the top of the call, um, I really thought I was like an eight wing seven or seven wing eight or or something like that for a long time. Cause um, because I just kind of scored so high on the eight stuff that I do find myself leaning into the eight wing so heavily. Um, so frequently, um, just being, you know, doing all sorts of stuff in the tech world and, um, and entrepreneurial, uh, endeavors and things like that, that you kind of have to be that go getter, that kind of blunt person, the, the hiring and the firing and, and the conferences and everything. You just kind of have to lean into that a lot more heavily. Um, so that's where I find myself going. Um, and not so much because I, I feel like I have to, but frankly, like a lot of it just, it does come so naturally, um, much more so than my six wing. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't spent a lot of like conscious growth time saying, okay, I'm going to move to six and try to harness the high sides of six. Um, and that's probably because from a six perspective, I feel very connected to six and have a ton of anxious energy and constantly um, playing scenarios like a six does. So I feel like I unconsciously moved to six a lot um, and I have no idea what it would look like to move there in health. And then I think the eight 
I did not have an eight wing built out really at all. My father is a sexual eight. And I think any kind of that big aggressive energy I was terrified of. Um, he's a He's a big teddy bear, um, but you know, he's a, he's a teddy bear. So there's some bear, grizzly bear in there. And uh, I have been leaning into that eight wing consciously or subconsciously in order to be okay with anger and in order to like build boundaries because I am boundary less and getting in touch with that eight really helps me to um, stand up for myself because I really don't know how to do that. And it, it's, it's really clunky as I'm trying to learn how to be aggressive um, to get my point across. And it's just not a part of my makeup. But I think leaning into that eight really does help kind of tap into that. I can relate to all that you're saying because that's my arrow. So yeah. I'm working real hard on understanding um, the path of the eight. So yeah. I get it. It's not natural at all for me. No. And by the way, I think that uh, our spouses or our significant others can be can complement certain parts of ourselves that we might feel deficiencies in. You know, and uh, I think that you know there's a lot of evidence to support that. And interestingly, you all each have a significant other in a different center of intelligence. Head for Justin. No heart. 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 He's a head type. No, but six his, and his, seven. I know they're. Oh, I, I said heart. I meant head, heart, and and body respectively with all Ellie and and yep. Aaron, which is interesting. And you know the arrows are other ways in which we can work, and I think they're supposed to be the the harder way in theory for for us to be expanding some of our boundaries. You guys go to five and one. I think the pr- procedure that Uranio is suggest is to is to go to five. First, so stay stay in that head, but go to that that calm, centered, boundaried space that I hear you all talking about uh, before you then might be able to eventually, over time, grow and go to the groundedness of of the one in in, in your body. Uh, do you want to add anything to that? No, I just want to yeah. hear hear what that's like for you all. Yeah, like how is your arrow work looking? Is it challenging? Um, yeah, just any examples or stories that you want to share? Uh, I mean, I think my one arrow powered me through medical school. Mm-hmm. I can get real in college, actually, more so college even. Actually, more so college. So I can get real, you know, about stuff, you know, uh, if it's sort of for a goal that I have. Um, I think five is a harder place for me to go, although where it happens just naturally is kind of cool is, my husband's really into out, um, outdoor pursuits and loves to backpack. And I don't really like to backpack. It's like really hard. And, um, <laughs> but so is two hour yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, but what I was going to say, I get very quiet in nature, uh, mm-hmm. almost to where the kids and the husband are like, mom, are you okay? You got so quiet. And I just, my, mm-hmm. I mean, my head is just full and I, but in a really like kind of pleasant way, it's just, um, mm. just taking a lot in and I don't feel that I need to be putting out so much. Yeah. I love that. All right. What about the rest of you all, Ellie or Justin, anything with your arrows that you're at least aware of? I feel very connected to five. 
Um, and you know, the idea of, of your backwards arrow being your soul child, I was absolutely a five and that was not going to be a place I could survive or, uh, live in the world that I grew up in. Um, I was very timid, uh, scared. I I would kind of like, I wanted to be a ghost for years and years and years for Halloween. So I could hide under a sheet and watch everyone. I mean, like such five behavior, but I, I had to learn and talk to myself into the seven. Like you will be a bold, risky, just rough and tumble wildflower. You're going to be that because that's what everyone else is around you. And you need to be that to survive. And, um, so I think I find a lot of refuge in five. And when I'm very stressed, I've been in a really high stress work environment recently. I go to five in a, in a not uh, healthy way and can kind of shut everyone out um, and just fo- hunker down, focus on the work, be detached emotionally. And um, so that's the way it really comes out, you know, on the low side. And then one in work, I can get like nitpicky and uh, way too structured if I'm stressed and that's not pretty. Um, and I haven't even thought one second about going to one consciously because girl's not ready for that. Um, (laughs) just really channeling that five energy in order to help me get closer to sobriety of just clearing things out, calming down, um, and being okay with like stillness and, and nothingness. Yeah. Detaching. Yeah. Unattaching, I guess, a little bit. Justin, anything you want to add? Yeah, no, hearing hearing Ellie talk about it that way, it's so fascinating um, for me because I wouldn't say that I've done really much arrow work or anything like that at all. Um, In terms of Enneagram awareness, I feel like such a novice around so many of you and so many of my friends, but... Um, but I feel like as I'm hearing you talk about it, the, the expression of that five arrow for me comes out really frequently, even in settings like this, where I have to be so aware of my sevenness and just wanting to jump in and, and kind of like have the focus around me, um, to really just sit back. So, so when I'm in one-on-one meetings, um, I'll be very engaged and, you know, it's ping pong conversationally and things like that. And when I'm in big parties, um, in big groups, I love to also be the center of attention, but when I'm in just a small group, when it's just, uh, maybe me and my wife on a double date or a small meeting or something, um, I'll find myself really stepping back and just trying to listen and just, um, kind of not taking a leading role, not, um, just detaching a little bit and just, um, trying to not have as much of a voice, not take up as much space, um, not, not for any other reason than I think I'm so deeply cognizant of wanting to go the other direction. I do have to have some intentionality around that stillness, quietness and listening. You know, some of the, the feedback I get from folks, <clears throat> excuse me, working with a seven when they're in a workplace with the seven is the struggle of the, the, the focus or lack of focus. And, um, I'm curious what you all might offer to people who live and work with the seven. Um, and there may be other things that, 
they might be challenging for them, but like, what do you all need in this, like in that space where things, there are so much potentiality, there's so many things that can be done. What's helpful for, for people in your life to kind of help bring you down and ground that and, um, focus you a little bit? Ooh, uh, I would say it's pretty hard to give seven advice on restricting uh, anything that they should do. So beware. Beware um, of that. That's you right. Know, you kind of lay things out. Hey, this has helped me. And um, here's how it's helped me. And, um, you know, it took me a long time to understand that a schedule was a beautiful thing. Um, and... I, I think I respond best when someone says, um, you know, are you able to handle all of that, all you have on your plate? Mm-hmm. Like letting me come to the decision that maybe I should delegate something or maybe I should put something down. I chose to pick up that I shouldn't. Um, and then, you know, um, if you are a seven listening to this, just owning that you will always continue to pick new things up um, and say yes to things uh, before thinking about your real capacity. And so just starting to practice asking, saying, you know what, I need to think about that before Mm -hmm. I tell you, yes, I can do that. Um, Whether that's personally or, uh, or professionally. Cause we, we want, we really truly believe we can, uh, we just can't, we're not that we're not superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we think sometimes we are. Yeah, we are. And, yeah. and want to be uh, right. Yeah. Right. Totally. And want to be Wonder me, Woman. For me, I would say the most helpful thing I'm surrounded, uh, frequently by sixes and in, in ministry and business and, uh, in my relationship with my wife, um, so what I've found for me, at least in those types of relationships, if, if I'm all over the place and I'm scattered, hearing my business partner or my wife or somebody say, hey, I see you're spinning all these plates. I'm feeling anxious about this plate. I'm going to get excited with you about this plate and let's run after that and get that done. Knowing on the one hand, somebody I care about is feeling anxious and experiencing pain. And that if I shift some of my focus onto this thing, it will alleviate that pain for them. And also I'll be checking a thing off my list. Um, that for me is a great way to kind of focus me and focus my energy. I love that. In a productive way. Yeah. I think that, you know, in our courses with B and Uranio, a lot of times it kind of comes back to like these um, mindful practices that get you in your body. And uh, that's been really helpful for me. I've already like kind of mentioned my yoga practice that way. And I do see, you know, in my coaching, I do see a fair number of doctors. And I think that, um, well, I mean, I only coach doctors, I should say, but I see a fair number of sevens and they come in and they really feel like something's wrong with them. Some of them are getting medicated because they feel their attention is so scattered. And we really are like fish out of water and, and, you know, can feel really out of place in medicine where a lot of people have a much easier time focusing. And so I guess, um, from a practical standpoint, I would definitely try some of these time honored practices that are really about learning how to use your attention. It's always going to be a challenge. Um, but to come back to those, uh, and not to call it a, you know, something it isn't, uh, or to medicate it comes to mind for me. I love that. Well, as we wrap up, is there anything that we have not 
mentioned about type seven that you all feel is important to share before we, before we let go, let you all go? I think I touched on this, um, but something as I, when I coach a seven, I just love coaching a seven. Um, it feels like home, you know, and I can be so brutally honest and call them on their crap, but also I can tell them you're doing a good job. Um, because I think oftentimes we hide our pain even from ourselves and the littlest things like choosing to hang your jacket up when you come in the door seem like trivial tasks that anyone should, any adult should be able to do. And I'll tell you what, that's like really difficult for some sevens to like seek order because their external world is in refl- is a reflection of what's going on inside. And if you can remember that, maybe you can have some more compassion and, and help them add structure to their life that will eventually lead them to some, some freedom. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I think my parting words for any non-sevens dealing with sevens is just be patient with us, please. <laughs> Uh, there's so much that we want to do and that we want to to get to and um, you know for me so much of it is not just about the joy that I feel so deeply in my own life but wanting to share that with with the people around me Um, and so yeah just just be patient with us and I promise it'll be more fun that way (laughs) (laughs) and and we know we want fun right Erin you want to wrap us up Anything you want to say as we end? I, you know, I think I, I guess I can't make it any better than it's art. There already is. So thanks everyone for sharing today. It's awesome. Yeah. I want to thank each of you, beautiful seven souls for joining us, um, being part of this conversation. And I'm just grateful for each of you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you.